Hi, and welcome to Serious About Sustainability, the podcast series brought to you by Mitsubishi Electric's Ikadan, air source heat pump. I'm Russell Dean from Ikadan, and you're listening to a series of podcasts all about renewable home heating. We'll be covering a range of topics from the perspective of UK homeowners, self-builders, contractors, house builders, and housing associations. Our show today is called the Air Source Heat Pump Myths. My guests are George Clark, architect and Ikadan ambassador, Lauren Widley-Ocha, our product manager here at Mitsubishi Electric. Welcome to you both. It's great to have you on the podcast today. Thanks for having us. Thank you. So we're going to do myth busting. Yeah, so over the past year since COP26, heat pumps has been in the press so many times. And uh, I just keep seeing lots of false information out there about what heat pumps are, how much they cost, uh, what's happening um, with the development of the low carbon strategy. And I thought we, today we could spend some time and, and debunk some of these myths around hair source heat pumps. I love that phrase, debunk. Love that. So because you two are the like super, super experts, like with tons of knowledge. I mean, I'm, I'm EcoDan ambassador, so I've got a fair bit of knowledge, but nowhere near as much as you two. Shall I lead with the questions? Yes. Should we do it? All yours, George. Excellent. Right. Okay. So I've got a whole list of um, quite punchy questions, actually, Mm -hmm. to to really test out the myths behind air source heat pumps. So I'm just going to throw them out there and you can decide who jumps in and answers. First up, heat pumps are a new and unproven technology. Russ? Absolute myth. Um, heat pumps have been around for a long, long time in many different formats. But if you're talking about using a heat pump to heat a home, if you look at Scandinavia, Scandinavia have been on heat pump technology for, for a long, long time. In fact, most homes in Scandinavia are heated by a heat pump. Uh, in the UK, the market uh, for heat pumps for heating people's homes has been here for well, up to 15 years, and Mitsubishi Electric have been around for the last 13, 14 years making heat pumps. So it's a, it's a, it's a proven technology. Fantastic. Heat pumps are not powerful enough to heat my home in cold weather. Lauren, is that true or false? Yes, yeah, so that's actually completely false, right? Um, when the heat, the heat design is done properly in your house, when actually the heat emitters, the heat generation is treated for your house heat losses, it is delivering what is written on the tin, right? And where we hear people being providing feedback when they say a heat pump can't heat my house is when these steps have not been done properly. Yeah, The most important in designing a heat system, especially when more traditional installers are used to install gas boiler, is to really look at the pipe size, is to look at the size of the heat pump, is to look at how much insulation there is in the property, is to look at the size of the radiators. And when all of this has been ticked, it's going to deliver comfortable, warm, heat yeah and in some ways it's no different to having a conventional system it's all going to be designed properly hasn't it i mean you could say the same point about any form of heating system or air conditioning system in any building if it's not designed properly it's not going to work exactly yeah next one heat pumps take a long time to warm up a home lauren yeah, so um, a, a boiler is actually delivering a lot of heat in a very short period of time which is true right i like to say um a gas boiler is as a fire pit in your house, right? It's quite old-fashioned. It is burning gas, oxygen, to make heat and generate carbon um, as well on the other side. So coming back to the question, 
it takes a long time to hit a house when you fiddle with your old beliefs as to how to set your heating in your house. You might be used to have a setback temperature, let's say minus three, minus four, or minus, let's say minus five degrees overnight. A heat pump, what it really likes to do is to deliver constant heat, okay, without too many changes, because there is less of this fire pit notion. So the amount of energy available out there is generous, is trickled into the property, is made with care, but it's not wasted as you might have already experienced with your gas boiler, the exhaust flue are still warm, etc. So what we try to do here is to change uh, what people think about heat pump, is to ensure that they realize that the heat pump will work efficiently, constantly, with a set schedule. I suppose that's quite similar to underfloor heating. And when you've got underfloor heating, you kind of have to change the way you control the heating system because it's a lower, mm-hmm. more gentle gradual. heat throughout the day. It's very, very gradual. Mm-hmm. Where there's people who have a gas boiler, maybe a combi boiler, mm-hmm. kind of blast the heat up because the 21, 22 degrees, and then it drops right off again. So it's very hot, very cold. They blast the heat up and then they open the windows because it's too hot. <laughs> <laughs> it's a common debate in every household, I imagine. But a more gradual, gentle heat that's slightly more constant. Yeah. That's more efficient, isn't it? I yeah. mean, you, you, when you compare it to driving a car, I mean, we know that if you drive at 55, 56, 57 miles an hour, mm-hmm. you're going to be using less fuel than doing 70 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. So it might take a little bit longer, mm-hmm. but you still get there. Yes. Yeah. Efficiency, efficiency, efficiency. That's what we're going for. That's what we're sizing our systems. That's how we should be building our homes. That's how we should be renovating our homes is, is looking at efficiency. A heat pump is more expensive to run than a fossil fuel solution. That's a good question. And I think um, what the challenge is there, I wouldn't say that is a myth, but I think the challenge here is what we've got is the base level of fuel prices. So you've got uh, gas, which currently is maybe between five and seven pence per kilowatt hour, and electric, which could be way over 17 pence per kilowatt hour. So you've got a, a big difference there in the base fuel prices. So it's three times as much for electric than it is for gas. Um, so because an air source heat pumps run off electric and not gas, yeah. does it make it more expensive? Well, the efficiency of the heat pump is three times of the gas boiler. So it equals it out in running costs. So what really needs to happen there, it's, it's, it's a level playing field on the running cost scenario, but what needs to happen there is a lot of the levies are placed onto the electric price. So I think at least 23% of uh, the cost on electricity is levies. And, and that's that's not right, really, because what you're doing is you're taxing the cleaner fuel um, and really the taxes and the levies need to be placed on the fossil fuel, such as gas. So I think in time, what you'll see is a rebalancing of those energy prices where gas will rise, electric will come down. Um, and then you'll see a, a, a heat pump system or low carbon electric heating pump system become a lot cheaper to run than a gas boiler. And if you were going to take a long term approach, bearing in mind, we shouldn't really be using fossil fuels. Mm-hmm. If you're using renewable electric energy from green sources, mm-hmm. surely that's just a lot better than using gas anyway, which is bound to become more expensive. Yeah, and we, we have to prep for the future. We have to continuously work at this. So, yeah, using electricity from the green sources or green source providers as well is, uh, is definitely the way to go. So it's complicated in the sense that some fuels are taxed more than others and mm-hmm. probably shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. And then you've got some which are greener than others, which mm-hmm. is just a kind of natural way about the way they're produced. And then I suppose there's 
there's an issue about the system, isn't there? I suppose you can't just say one's cheaper or better than the other because it depends what you've got in your house. It, it certainly does. Um, there's a difference between having a heat pump system than a what we would call a combi gas boiler. So what we're trying to be with a heat pump system is be as efficient as we can. The best way to be efficient is to store energy. And that's why we need a, a, a hot water cylinder so we can heat the hot water in that cylinder um, at this most low cost um, electricity supply and store that energy for when it's needed the most. So a gas boiler is just using lots of energy very, very quickly. And it's not really been, the heat's not really been stored. It's just been used very quickly to heat up hot water. Whereas an SLS heat pump, it's a, it's a bit more gentle, isn't it? Yeah, I think what you've got with a gas combi boiler is you want instant hot water. And to give you that instant hot water in the volumes you want, you need a big heat source. So a gas boiler for a modern home could be 28, 30 kilowatts, maybe even a little bit bigger to give you that instant hot water. Um, and that's the challenge because the actual heat loss of the property could be five, six, eight kilowatts. But you've got the heat, the heat, the thing providing the heat is really, really oversized. So it's intensely using a lot of energy uh, to give you that hot water and heat. Whereas a heat pump, what we would like to do is size it to just the right amount of energy that you need. And we're, we're, we're engineering that system to give you a really, really efficient um, home. So coming back to the question, mm-hmm. a heat pump is more expensive to run than a fossil fuel solution. That's a myth. I'm going to go back on that one. <laughs> That's a myth. Um, it's, it's a level playing field at the minute, but what we will see is a rebalancing of the fuel costs in time, um, and, and that will see a heat pump to be a, a lot cheaper to run than a gas boiler. Okay. Electricity is not a clean, green fuel type. Controversial. It is controversial. And again, it's, it's like you just said, George, is where does that electricity come from? Because if it's generated from green sources, then it is absolutely uh, a clean, green type of fuel. Um, and more and more electric generation is coming from sustainable things like wind farms or solar farms, uh, hydroelectric. So it, it is, and it's defined in SAP and the building regulations as the cleanest, greenest way um, to, to heat a property now. Air source heat pumps are noisy. Is that true or is that false? <laughs> so um, that's a bit of a myth buster here. So we have developed one of the best products out there to ensure that we deliver the right amount of heat for the less size and disturbance for the end user. It's a very fine balance, right? So it's all about finding the right size of the heat pump because the calories need to be taken out from the air and put into the heating circuit. And as well to ensure that the fan that sp- fit, that pulls this air through the system is spinning at the right speed without disturbance for the end user. So our engineers have been looking for decades because they have a wealth of knowledge from the air conditioner system where heat, heat pumps are taking the route from decades ago to now to ensure that the fan is tuned and developed to generate the less dis- disturbances possible. And the answer is no. So people might have had systems that have not been designed properly and this is the story we hear in the news where people say it is making noise because the system wasn't designed properly yeah so it's all down to ensuring that the design and the installation afterwards has been done according to the manufacturer recommendations if this has been followed i can i mean i have an example here uh, where i heard the heat pump running it was less noisy than the wind in the in the tree of uh, in the branch of a tree, so uh, actually heat pumps are not noisy when they are installed properly. They are 
almost you can't hear them um you wouldn't even realize they are running instead of somebody tells you it's actually running and you would be surprised oh yeah the fan is moving i can't hear anything and eagle down have a ultra quiet unit don't they mm-hmm. yeah we have the ultra quiet units which is which is the quietest unit on the market i think it's it's interesting when you look at the whole market of heat pumps is that I think most manufacturers at the start of, of this of this marketplace of, of this technology, we're talking 13, 15 years ago, we built machines that would be the most efficient. So that was the area of focus is how efficient could you make a, a heat pump? Uh, and we've moved on from that. So efficiency still is important, but noise became the best thing is how can quiet can you make this machine? So and now you'll see across a wide range of heat pumps in the market, as well as Ecodan, that, that, that they're very quiet. And uh, they're not intrusive in whatsoever. Well, I've got one. It's very quiet. Yeah. Very, very quiet because it was well designed and well installed. (laughs) (laughs) And planning permission is required before you can install an air source heat pump. True or false? So false. Um, It's not required. So I take here um, an extract from um, the planning permission website that says from the 1st of December 2011, the installation of an air source heat pump on domestic premise is considered to be permitted development, provided all the limit and condition listed below are met. So please go to the planning portal.co.uk to have a look on, on the other one. But one that really applies to the heat pump only is the volume of the heat pump. So all of our range is meeting 0.6 cubic meter of or, or less of volume. This is what is required from the planning portal. So we have looked thoroughly to ensure that from Four to 14 kilowatts, we meet this requirement. This is a full spread of our range, so all of our range doesn't need any planning permission. So it's all done under permitted development? Yes, correct. Yeah. And, and that's what I would recommend. So any homeowner considering a heat pump is look at the heat pump that you're, the, the, the supplier you're going to go with because some of those heat pumps are, are, are on the large side and they will require planning permission. So it's going to delay the process of, of your application. But if you look at uh, Ecodan, for example, we all feel we all units fit within that permitted development. So you can you can crack on. Yeah, it's always worth checking with the planners, though, in your local area, because if you're in a conservation area, that's it. Yeah, or it's a listed building, then yeah. you might need planning. Yeah, yeah, that's a different that's a different scenario. That's a different scenario. Yeah. Um, Heat pumps take up too much space outside and inside. Ah. True or false? That's false. Again, um, so I will take two scenarios here. Uh, the first one, you might have a combi boiler in your house, so you would be used to have a single box onto your wall and to actually just deliver hot water and heating via the single box, right? If you would be heat- looking for heating application for, by a heat pump, the single box would be, would be replaced by some pumps and so it would be outside, obviously, the outdoor unit. This outdoor unit outside, take a bit of a space, usually we would say below the window of your kitchen, as an example, would be a good location. And how many times do you actually sit outside in front of your window kitchen when you look at it? It's quite limited. And <clears throat> overall, we realize that people that have installed heat pumps don't really feel any challenges on this aspect. They are saying, okay, it's there and uh, uh, we are not disturbed by it at all. Yeah. But you do have to have a Water storage tank, don't you? So with the combi right. boiler, yeah, okay. It's not, I mean, combi boilers can be really, really tiny, and but I'm not promoting them because obviously they're using fossil fuels and they're not being very efficient because they're using tons of energy very quickly. 
But you do need a water storage tank so, with an yeah. SLC problem. Yeah, so if you look at replacing a system boiler, uh, which is uh, the, the other scenario, obviously you would already have your boiler in the kitchen potentially under the stairs having the hot water tank. What we would be looking at here is replacing your old hot water tank under the stairs by uh, a low carbon heating hot water tank. That is from our supply. We have a nice spread of, of product here that meets most of the requirements. And this would be a, a basically a fit and forget solution. Yeah. I think it's when, when you say takes up too much space, how much is too much space? Yeah. And what you've got to consider is the home of the future, um, we will be storing our own energy. We'll be storing energy in hot water. We'll be storing electric in, in battery systems. Um, and that's what's really going to be required to, mm -hmm. to get to that carbon, uh, that, that carbon net zero goal. So energy storage is essential. So if I say too much space, I would say the right amount of space you need to get us on that road to carbon net zero. Mitsubishi Electric's Ecodam air source heat pump switch from fossil fuels like oil, LPG and storage heaters to clean, renewable home heating. Visit ecodam.co.uk for more information. Heat pumps are only suitable for new build homes. Russ? That's a, that's a definite myth. Uh, I think it's important to say that all new build homes are suitable for a heat pump. Uh, and and why is that? That's because they're built efficiently. Um, they're you know, wrapped, as you call it. It's a good point, going back to what I said before. Wrap, then heat, so they're an efficient, uh, they're efficient build up to modern standards. And as we go through different iterations of building regulations, specifically this year and in 2025, they'll become a really, really efficient build. So definitely suitable for heat pumps. But when I when we've done our research, you know, heat pumps are suitable for 85, 86 percent of the of the houses in the UK. Um, and we've got applications of heat pumps going back to buildings that are 80, 100 years old. I mean, you've got one in your house. So how old is your house? Uh, mine's a 1960s house. So, you know, it's kind of 60 years old. Mm -hmm. um, I suppose a 1960s house still feels quite modern mm -hmm. and new, but... No cavity wall insulation, wasn't much insulation in the roof whatsoever. Mm -hmm. But I did a number of upgrades in that house mm -hmm. to make my EcoDan air source heat pump work more efficiently. Mm -hmm. I think it would have worked anyway, Yeah, but I do think I needed to put in better glazing, which I did. I put in triple glazing mm -hmm. in my house, which is fantastic. Not just good for thermal performance, but it's also nice and quiet. Mm -hmm. Um, but I upgraded all the insulation in the roof and wrapped some of the walls from the inside, so I did a bit of dry lining. So, but I've seen SOC pumps work brilliant in Victorian and Edwardian houses. Mm -hmm. they, just, they just need that little mini upgrade mm -hmm. of insulation sometimes. I think, from my point of view, seeing some installations, if you're going to put an SOC pump in a very, very, very old drafty building, mm -hmm. the system will still work. It's just got to work harder and it might cost you a bit more money. So it's all about having this balance, isn't it? About being very efficient, mm -hmm. wrapping your house, you know, give it a new jacket, if you like, and making it warm and cozy which just takes the pressure off the SOS heat pump. Mm. And it's the same for a gas boiler. Eh? If you're going to see gas prices rise, um, you're going to have the same challenges. So, you know, it's go back to what I said really at the start is that um, every home should be efficient, you know, not just one that has a, a, an air source heat pump uh, in there. Heat pumps only work with underfloor heating. 
Lauren, true or false? No, false again. Um, so a heat pump, again, when it's well designed and when the survey was done properly, which is the most important thing is a survey, I think, to ensure that the house has been looked at, each room has been assessed properly, how much space, how much volume, and what are the size of the current emitter, right? Which is, I suppose, what the question here is highlighting, right? Is your current set of radiator enough to hit your property and that's a question that can only be answered by the design calculations we would usually found that uh, most recent houses wouldn't need any upgrade of radiators if you only look at the radiator aspect and not the fabric because you have multiple choice here you could think to maybe improve your fabric first which is what we just talked about and i think that's a preferred route but if this is not possible usually more recent houses would be quite happy to accommodate with the current radiator sizes if it's not there is the same radiator size in terms of height and width that exists with a bit more uh, fluid into it and that will be able to get more water, sorry, more power out of it. So this is all done according to the installer that, 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 that did the design. And what I'm really glad to, to say is Ecodan can be adjusted on all the aspects here to meet your house requirements. So the flow temperature can be adjusted to ensure that we hit this maximum or this comfort temperature you want in your house. If you want to get 21 degrees, we can make it happen. If you want to have 22, 23 degrees, we can make it happen. So stated in the obvious, Ecodyne source heat pump, it's a water-based system. You can use it with underfloor heating over the conventional radiator system. Yeah, indeed. So that's a myth. Myth, definite myth. Heat pumps are high maintenance. Yeah, so it's not. Huh? Again, it's very simple. It's a very similar to a gas boiler when you look at how much maintenance you have on it. So we would recommend a visit here. Um, if anybody of our listener would like to get more advice on this, we have our, we have our after sales team that can be reached via our website. We offer packages for um, people that want to get a proper from the manufacturer installer. Um, base um, uh, service being done and uh, what we would recommend here is to have it checked once a year very simple yeah heat pumps have a short lifespan russ that's a definite myth i think if you if you look at a heat pump and modern heat pump they're all based on a, a probably a previous air conditioning unit heat pump system and air conditioning and refrigerant type systems have been along around for a long long time and uh, Mitsubishi Electric, we, we've got air conditioning systems that, uh, that are still in place 20 years later. So the heat pump market isn't as old as that. And we've been making heat pumps in the UK and supplying heat pumps for, for the past 13, 14 years. So, and we still have those heat pumps running since, since that early application. My, my suggestion would be to expect at least up to 15 years use out of your heat pump. But at 10 years, start to think about rebudgeting to, to replace that because in that time of 10 to 15 years, the technology will have improved again. It'll be a lot more efficient um, um, and have a lot more faci control facilities in the in the new kind of smart grid. So yeah, 10 to 15 years is easily expected. And it's, I suppose it's like any bit of kit that has to work and do a job you maintain it, the better you maintain it, the longer it lasts. If you don't maintain it as well, it's going to have a bit of a shorter lifespan and you might have to replace it earlier. Yeah, I mean, everything that Lauren said earlier about setting up the system, so sizing it correctly, controlling it correctly, um, will add to the life of the system. If you're going to, it's like a car, it's a vehicle. If you're going to if you're going to abuse that car by running it flat out, turning it on and off all the time, multiple, multiple times, that the, the lifespan is going to go down. If you control it uh, and size it and apply it correctly, then, then, then it's going to last a long time. Yeah, and I suppose 
the comparison with the car is you can get it MOT'd, mm -hmm. so it ticks the boxes for safety. But if you get it serviced, yeah. there's an extra level of care, isn't there? Absolutely, yeah. Heat pumps are expensive. Now, this is a big one, Russ. This is probably the most common thing that comes up, isn't it? Someone's got an existing gas boiler, they want to replace it with an air source heat pump, and they're worried it's going to cost them more money. Is it true or false? I'd say that if you're replacing a gas boiler with a gas boiler, it's definitely going to be cheaper than a heat pump. But we are not going to hit carbon net zero with gas boilers. We're not going to get to those carbon reduction targets by using fossil fuels. It's a very, very basic way of heating at home. You're burning stuff. You know, we've been doing that since the Stone Age. What we're moving through now is, is high levels of efficiency in engineering. Um, so gas boilers are definitely cheaper. But, you know, I remember a quote, heat in your home should not cost the earth. So we need to make this investment and, and move forward. And... I suppose you could compare it to the car industry that when very green and efficient electric cars came onto the market, they were a little bit expensive for the beginning. But yeah. they gradually becoming cheaper and cheaper as the technology gets better. It's a really good point because, you know, that first generation of technology that come out is a little bit more expensive. But as the volume of the markets grow, prices for products will come down. As there are more installers enter the marketplace, um, competition becomes higher and the installation co co uh, cost comes down as well. So installation, application and equipment price will all come down in time. And even though the technology might cost more than a very cheap, dirty, horrible gas boiler. Mm -hmm. The government are trying to support the industry on that and support consumers. 100%. Since probably the conception of heat pumps, there has been um, government schemes to help that, either subsidies or grants or incentives in place to help people trans, you know, uh, come over from high carbon fuels to a low carbon heating system. Uh, the biggest one that we've had is a renewable heat incentive, which was a seven-year uh, scheme where the homeowner would get um, a feedback for the operating uh, costs of that system. Um, we're now moving into uh, a new scheme from the government, which is the boiler upgrade scheme. So upgrade your boiler to a low carbon heating system and the government will give you a £5,000 uh, grant upfront to help you with that. So if we're going to be brutally honest, when the question was heat pumps are expensive, expensive probably isn't the right word. It probably costs more than a dirty gas boiler because that's a very, very cheap bit of quite nasty technology. But you can't compare like with like. They're very different products doing different things. You can't. You know, we have to, we, like I say, we have to, anyway, we have to make these changes. You know, the gas boilers are definitely cheaper. Um, but, you know. But there's a reason for that. There's an absolute reason for that, yeah. Heat pumps are complicated to program and use. Russ, is this true? That's a definite myth, Um Certainly the Ikadan Mitsubishi Electric heat pump is very, very simple to use. We have our MailCloud control device, an app that allows you to control your heat pump using any smart device. So it's making it really, really simple. And that's one of the things that we learned really quickly in the development of our technology is that, yes, we've got a piece of, of, of high-end technology that's capable of so much, but we needed it really, really simple to use so that any homeowner can get the most out of that heat pump. Um, and we're, we're, we're on that road now. That's, 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 that's definitely possible. It's really easy to use. Fantastic. Renewable heating incentives are difficult to apply for. Laurent? Yeah, so it might have been the case with try, but the new boiler upgrade schemes that is starting in April will aim to be much more simpler. So it's a program that is installer-led that is working via basically having a request going to the to Ofgem, Ofgem checking what has been quoted and potentially feeding back to uh, the end user for its approval. 
So we would see this as a very more easy way to get um, the, the cash back from uh, the government. And uh, looking forward, I think as well, the principle of having an upfront scheme is very useful for the end user. So it really addresses what is uh, the, the upfront cost of the installation and would, would aim potentially to lower the overall cost of, uh, of the end user uh, spending. So the renewable heat incentive was money paid back to someone who'd paid for an installation over the lifespan, kind of over kind of seven, eight years of having that unit installed, where now it's an upfront grant. Correct, yeah. 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 I mean, it seems really obvious that. You wonder why we didn't do that before. When I say we, I mean the government. <laughs> yeah, it, it seems bonkers. Because one of the, the difficult things is finding the capital, the money mm. up front to make that change. Mm-hmm. The UK government is forcing people to scrap their working gas boilers. Russ, is this true? That's a myth. Um, that's a definite myth. And even, even uh, often the thing I hear is 2025, the ban of the gas boiler. It's not a ban of gas boilers. It's just a hiring of standards. So what will happen as we get to 2025 in new build homes is that the standard of efficient will be too high to have a dirty gas boiler in there that's low efficient. So no one's banning anything. All we're doing is setting higher and higher standards and those standards are required for us to hit carbon net zero. And so gas boilers aren't being banned from existing homes? Absolutely not. Um, What the government has laid out is a 10-point plan over the next... 10, 15 years looking at when we expect to phase out gas boilers in everyone's homes. And they're talking about some forecasted dates of 2032, 2035, where gas will become less and less in people's homes. Um, The heat pump market currently is probably 45,000 units. The government's plan says in 2028, it will be 600,000 units. And as we get into the 2030s, it'll be a million heat pumps a year installed. Now, if you compare that to gas boilers, currently 1.7 million gas boilers are installed every year. So it's, it's, uh, it's aggressive growth, but it is phased over the years, over the next 10 to 15 years. Heat pumps are imported products and not manufactured in the UK. True or false? Well, (laughs) Mitsubishi Electric, we have a number of factories in Scotland. So over 80% of our product is manufactured in the UK and exported to Europe. But most of our products are manufactured in the UK. And in time, it will become that nearly all of our um, heat pump products were manufactured in the UK. Brilliant. The national grid will not be able to cope with the mass market uptake of electric cars and heat pumps. Laurent? That's definitely a myth. I'm, I can't agree with this one. But um, just rewind a little bit with this. And let me just provide some more context. Um, we are looking to shift a considerable amount of what I've read recently is 24 million houses in the UK, ballpark figure. 80% of those are heated with a gas boiler at the minute. And we have developed after World War II, uh, mainly a gas heated network uh, around the country. So we are looking basically to try to replace this gas network that is designed to supply heat for the full house of the country to an electrical network that wasn't designed for it. So I I really understand why people are asking this question. Now, when we look at how energy was produced in the past, it was mainly with coal-fired or gas-fired power station across the country where it was centralized and distributed across uh, the country via the distribution network. Now, when we look at what happened over the 10, 20 past years, I don't think anybody listening to us uh, can't remember that more photovoltaic has been spreading out, more wind farm uh, oversteer has been building up. Now, we have evolved our 
generation of electricity from something that was centralized, fossil fuel based, to a more green type of energy mix, right? So this leads to new challenges and opportunities as well. So the first one, uh, photovoltaic is predictable to an extent, wind is predictable to an extent as well, but we can't really control the output, right? We will we'll need to make use the best use of how much energy has been produced. So Ecodan is looking at this. So I am looking at, at this, how we could potentially deliver this type of solutions. So one of the ways to, to deliver the best use of how much energy is produced in comparison to how much energy is needed into the house is potentially to look at the house as two things. First, a hot water generation for your hot water tank and a heating generation for your space heating, right? So if we if we look for hot water, hot water can be produced whenever. You don't need to know when hot water is produced, right? So the aim would be to look at when excess renewable energy is existing onto the grid and to actually make use of it in the hot water tank. This is one of the work stream we're looking to develop for potentially the future here. Now for space heating, it's a bit more complicated because there is some dynamics in place. You want to feel comfortable when you're at home, maybe when you come back for work and five o'clock or six o'clock, you would like to have your 21 degrees, right? So we would be looking as well as to how we can anticipate your comfort level and maybe looking at preheating your house before there is an event onto the grid that says there is too much demand. So an example being when you look at uh, a time slot between four and seven o'clock in the UK, that's where it is known that there is the most demand, right? People want to have their cup of tea, want to have a bit more comfort into the house. So overall, there is an increase of demand. What we will be looking here, potentially to anticipate this peak time and to produce the heat when it is outside of this peak time. So to wrap it up here, uh, there is enough energy into the grid. Yeah, there is much more energy that uh, what can be actually used. It's just about using it at the correct time and the most efficient way. Now, the other fold of this question is about electrical car. Um, we can see, and I can see in my street, there is Tesla, there is electrical cars that are spreading out out there. Now, this is a challenge that is quite similar to heat pumps. It's about uh, finding ways how to charge the, 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 the electrical battery. And what we have found here from the latest discussion with Trade Association is the electrical car could be beneficial for heat pump as well. We are speaking about using the energy from your electrical car battery to use potentially the heat pump and to produce heat into your house. I mean, one of the things with the electric grid is we've got we've got peak energy and off-peak energy. And we need to try and be more efficient, don't we, at kind of harnessing the off-peak and then storing that for when we need it. Exactly what I said earlier, storage is everything. So storage of energy in hot water, storage of electricity in a battery, uh, that is what's going to be required. So you would be charging your vehicle overnight at low, at low cost peak. You would be preheating your hot water at low cost peak. You could even preheat your home at low cost electricity. So it's all about that, that storage and using energy at, at the right time, as Lauren said. Now, I'm going to be naughty. I'm going to throw in a question that isn't on the list. See if you can handle it. <laughs> Go for it. Um, I cannot have an air source heat pump if I live in an apartment. If I live in a house, I can. Can I have an air source heat pump if I live in a flat? So that's a myth. We have a huge amount of heat pumps uh, in, in apartments and flats. And the, the outdoor unit, um, we have a specific type of, of outdoor unit that's very small and very, very quiet. That's, that's almost custom designed for apartments and flats. Fantastic. Gents, thank you very much for busting some myths. So there you have it, air source heat pump myths. A huge thanks to my guests, George and Lauren, for coming on the show. 
Thank you for listening and please share, subscribe, rate and review the Ikadan Serious About Sustainability podcast. And until next time, goodbye.